Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from North-South, publishing children's books from authors and illustrators around the world. Learn more about North-South and their books at northsouth.com. The Apollo 11 space shuttle landed on the moon on July 20th, 1969, and with that one small step, The world was changed forever. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 522. Today's episode was recorded live at the American Library Association's annual conference in June. My guest is Torben Coleman, whose richly illustrated picture books include Armstrong, Edison, and Lindbergh. Having recently celebrated the 50th anniversary of the lunar landing, I thought it would be apropos to share this interview. Torben and I found a private conference room on the exhibit hall that offered a space from the crowded show floor, but not a total escape from the noise. Even so, I hope you'll enjoy leaning in as Torben and I talk about film, performing, and the dreams of mice. Please welcome my guest, Torben Coleman, author and illustrator of Armstrong. Um, I'm Torben Kuhlmann. I am an author and illustrator from uh, Hamburg, Germany. Uh, and yeah, my, uh, my work includes uh, such mouse adventures like uh, Lindbergh, The Tale of a Flying Mouse, Armstrong, The Adventurous Journey of a Mouse to the Moon, and uh, the latest one, uh, Edison, The Mystery of the Missing Mouse Treasure. Beautiful. I think it, that your work is captivating. It's gorgeous. It's also, it breaks form a little bit uh, from a picture book and becomes sort of just an illustrated short story. And I love uh, the fine detail that you have in your paintings. They really, they really speak to the, the beauty of the format. So I really appreciate the work that you do to bring this level of work to our readers. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> so tell me, or tell us, a little bit about Armstrong for those who have not read it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Armstrong is uh, the second story in my uh, mouse adventure series, and uh, it's a story about a mouse fascinated by the moon. And uh, for the first time, there's a mouse looking at the moon with a telescope. Uh, the first mouse to ever do that. And uh, of course, there are totally new ideas about the moon because of that and it appears that all other mice 
seem to uh, believe that the moon is made of cheese. That contradicts this <laughs> new discoveries. Right. So there's only one way uh, for our little hero to prove that the moon is made of stone. Uh, the mouse has to go there. You have to go there. I like that your books follow that narrative of of almost reliving what it must have been like for man to, to venture into these new territories, into the sky, into the sea, into, the, into outer space. But through that lens of, of our smallest creatures experience the world from a different perspective. Uh, but, but why mice? Why, why did you start there? Where did that inspiration come from? Um, it all comes down to the very first idea I had for a picture book, and that was for my book Lindbergh, the first chapter in this uh, mouse series. And uh, it was a play on words. Um, in Germany there is the word for mouse, that's almost the same, it's, it's mouse, and the German word for bed is Fledermaus. So a mouse that flutters, and because of this little play on words, I had an idea about a story of a mouse learning to fly. And from there, it, it developed. And I was uh, suddenly the uh, historian on mouse aviation history. And <laughs> after that, followed space aviation, uh, space travel. Uh, I, I'm amazed that the level of detail that you, that you put into your illustration, that we, you trick the eye, that I think I'm looking at mice, but then I'm looking at mice doing these extraordinary things that maybe they are really doing when I'm not looking. And to play with wonder in that way is really neat. Um, I wanted to share, do you mind if I read some of this? Sure, yes. To um, everyone, when um, Armstrong is first talking about to the other mice, it says he proudly showed the others everything he had discovered through his telescope. The moon is a giant ball of stone. With shining eyes and a voice that trembled with excitement, he told them all he knew. The light from the sun is what makes the moon shine, and the little mouse broke off in mid-sentence. He could see that nobody was listening. The other mice did not want to hear anymore because they believed something quite different. And we turned to this wordless spread of an entire closet of cheese. <laughs> the big cheese. I, um, I think that the way that so there's this magic in picture books that I think you are aware of because you make the picture books mm -hmm. sure. as a person who reads the picture books I appreciate the magic I like the tension between how long it takes a child to read your illustration to look at all of those details and how long it takes the person reading the book to read the words and to hold us in tension and then have these moments of wordless reading it's something that I really find I'm drawn to your work because of that. Did you grow up reading a lot of picture books? How did you come to know the format? Um, well, I, I was always interested in the different ways of storytelling. Earlier I, I started with children's books and, and picture books. Later I had um, my, my interest focus on, uh, on films or the language of cinema and when it was time to, to construct my very first picture book I tried to uh, pick everything from, this, from the different medias and combine them in an in a, in a almost 
new way. So I try to tell something in, in, in text form whenever text is the most appropriate form to do that and build something up and then you have this uh, dramatic page turn and then there's just an illustration you can rest on. So it changes from this uh, from this uh, literature medium to uh, almost visually exclusive medium and that was uh, the starting point. That was my intention to do an experiment with that kind of uh, hopping uh, storytelling media within a book. Well, I can see the cinema on the page, and that is really something neat that I think every time I reread, I'll have in mind. I um, I know we're also talking about Armstrong because of the 50th anniversary, uh, and that um, North South is is bringing out a special edition for the anniversary of the moon landing. When you set out to tell this story, was that something you had in mind? Was it something that that you had wonder about as a child? What it's like to be on the moon to set foot. I know as a child that was something I thought about a lot. Yeah, sure. Um, I was one of the li- many little kids uh, with an astronaut costume, uh, yes. imagining <laughs> going out there and uh, being the first to set foot on a, on a another planet. And so the fascina- fascination for that was almost always there. And um, so it was a pretty easy step later to when thinking about a possible next story to tell that it was a story about a moon landing. When you write these books, what comes first? The words or the illustration? Do you work in sketch to begin with or mm-hmm. write out the story? What does that process look like? Uh, it starts with uh, more or less uh, yeah, almost like a concept-like uh, storyboard. Oh, okay. And that is made of different parts for example there are early sketches for um, some key sequences I would like to have in the story and uh, which are yeah some kind of only visually uh, storytelling point right and uh, I, I add uh, with handwriting early text forms between that and then there is a next key idea illustration idea and there is this uh, yeah rough concept of a book first and then I, tr- I refine it but there is no really uh, early text phase and then a sketch phase it all blends together all blend. in, in one giant uh, process of development and if I picture that in storyboarding then that makes sense why why we have these beats why here is where we land on a full mm-hmm. page illustration and here is where we balance because it's yeah. all looking at the big picture yeah that, that's almost necessary to uh, to get a feeling for the pacing because yeah. I try to have a certain pace within the story and build something up and then have a page turn and some illustrations are meant to uh, to, to look at longer and others are more dramatic and are supposed to uh, enhance the speed you, you're reading through it so, but, but it's necessary to have a, a plan ahead so the storyboard is very helpful and when you're face. painting what medium are you using? Is it primarily like watercolor? Or yeah, it, it's primarily watercolor um, uh, on top of a fine pencil drawer. Oh, I wow. use very fine uh, waterproof pencils, and later, the, the, later I add layers of watercolor on top of that. Wow. Well, that helps to get the, 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 detail, uh, the details. 
I, the amount of depth the, yeah. that you get out of that because of that layering was beautiful. And I love your the way that you observe light and how light interacts on things. So often we have light coming in through. Well, you also play sort of, I guess, cinematically with the camera, pulling the camera back and showing size of things, light coming through a window and illuminating part of of um, an object, of, of a vessel. Um, all of that staging, all of that intention is something that I think really invites us to, to spend time mm-hmm. on the book. And that is something really beautiful that you're giving the readers permission to not rush through but to sit with the work yes sure you're supposed to look at the illustration and discover many little hints and there are almost entire sub stories within the illustrations not mentioned in the text right you're supposed to discover so you've been working and publishing about five years <clears throat> what has the experience been like being in front of children because I imagine when you started you weren't yet in front of children you had no. to have a book published to have that happen uh, to be honest I was a little bit nervous yeah. in the beginning <laughs> because um, I wasn't sure that I might be able to entertain a group of uh, uh, first graders for example for one hour with my stories there's also always the reading part but that only lasts 20 maybe 30 <laughs> minutes but Read um, very very slow <laughs> very slow <laughs> but it was a a wonderful experience and I pretty much enjoy doing uh, book readings in Germany I'm uh, on book tours pretty often so uh, and and for me I think I learn um, much more than my audience at at these events because uh, all this theoretical uh, ideas about pacing storytelling it's it's just theory until I try to Uh, perform for my audience and then I see oh that that is a good way to do it and that the next book maybe I will do it a little bit different the children really teach you and I yes. wonder then not just with your presentation how much they teach you but have, have has being in front of children also affected the way you tell stories and the books that you're working on now oh well a little bit yes yeah so I, there's much experience I gained over the, over the last few years and uh, I think I have an, an better, a better understanding of my, uh, my audience right now so uh, I, I hope there's an improvement uh, through my books. <laughs> well Torben to be quite honest I feel like your audience will be those children that will love your books now and will never be able to part with them throughout their life it feels <laughs> like that kind of book that you're making and that's a really neat thing as a librarian for me to experience so I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today it was a pleasure for me so before we go I'll, I'll ask this final question uh, that'll bring us back to these children I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning Torben is there a message that I can bring to them from you uh, well just look at books look especially at uh, picture books and try to not only look for, for, for texts to read in a, in a picture book, just embrace uh, the illustration there and try to uh, read images as well. Thank you. This is Darshna Kiani, author of How to Wear a Sari, coming in fall 2020. 
Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.darsanakhiani.com forward slash South Asian Kid Lit. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.